Hey, it's Andrew. Just quickly before we start this episode, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, the Secure Ventures Podcast. The host, Kyle McNulty, interviews cybersecurity founders about what they are building. I enjoy it because Kyle focuses on their technology, what it solves, why they build it, where it fits in the market. Also, listeners can understand the why of these startups. In some ways, it's a great compliment to my own podcast, where I focus on the go-to-market side, not on the technology side. He's had some great guests on recently, for example, the CEO of Reality Defender, when they talked about the ins and outs of deep fate detection. Uh, he's had the co-founder and CEO of Ghost Security, and also the co-founder of Radical, Chris Peterson, who was incidentally a founder of Logarithm, where they talk about the role of AI in the SOC. This is not a paid promotion. I just simply enjoy what Kyle is doing with his interviews and get a lot out of them. Check it out. It's the Secure Ventures podcast. Now on with this episode. Ted Morocco recently joined Approve Mobile Security as its CEO. In this episode, we talk about why Approve is so well positioned, what his main focus is as a CEO for the next few quarters, the challenge they have of reaching application developers and getting noticed in a very noisy market. And also, does he prefer a dive bar or a cocktail bar? Stay tuned to learn these things and more. Welcome to the Sales Bluebird Podcast, where we help cybersecurity companies grow sales faster. Whether you're a seller, marketer, leader, or founder, we give you tips, tricks, experiences, examples, ideas, and inspiration from people who know a thing or ten about building great cybersecurity companies. I am your host, Andrew Monahan. Our guest today is Ted Morocco, CEO at Approve Mobile Security. Ted, welcome to Sales Bluebird. Hi, Andrew. It's great to be on the show. And I detect a little Scottish accent coming from you, which is not not entirely inappropriate for our conversation today. That's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to this this discussion, because it sounds like quite a bit of your company is based over in Edinburgh, my hometown. Yes. Yeah. The the majority of our, I mean, certainly all of our uh, uh, R&D team is, is over in Edinburgh. I just got back from there. It was a little bitter cold, and uh, but a great team we, we have, and uh, that has been historically the headquarters for the company, and uh, great tech community over there in Scotland, and uh, beautiful country as well. So yeah, it's it's a very very good uh, group of people. Yeah, I I was born in Edinburgh uh, at a hospital that, that no longer exists. Your team will will probably remember it as the uh, Eastern General down in Leith. I grew up, uh, spent a lot of time in North Barrett, just outside Edinburgh, and then most of my teenage years was in Edinburgh. Uh, and then I moved into London, I think, when I was about 24, 25, something like that. So although my accent is is pretty terrible uh, right now, it's uh, it's got a bit of everything in there. My my true homeland, my place where my heart is, is is Edinburgh. So it's great to talk to people that go over there and hear what's going on. My, my, fam- my mom's still... There, I've got aunts and uncles there. It's it's great to go back once in a while and catch up with everyone. It it, it is a great place to visit, and and our offices are right uh, close to the castle um, in the center. Uh, there, we have a nice facility, and it's it's just beautiful to walk around that city. It, it's just you know one of the most visually stunning uh, places. So anybody who hasn't been there, I really would recommend if you get a chance. Um, very very beautiful place to visit. I'm trying to get back in the early summer because there's a Denver-based band called the Lumineers, which are quite popular. I love the Lumineers, yes. Well, the Lumineers are playing Edinburgh Castle on the 5th of July. 
So in the Esplanade there in front of the castle, they put up, uh, we call them over here, bleachers. And it's for the whole summer. They do the tattoo and various things like that. And then they have some concerts. So the Lumineers are playing Edinburgh Castle right in front of the castle, which was built, what, in 1300 something or 1200 something? That, that will be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to get back for it. It's not confirmed yet, but uh, I'm trying to get back for it. It'll be pretty special. It, it is a great city, you know, for arts and, and culture and science, you know, with the universities there, University of Edinburgh amongst them. You know, we have a, a it's just got a very good uh, dynamic to that city. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about me too much. Uh, <laughs> a quick break to say that this episode is sponsored by IT Harvest. With over 3,200 vendors in cybersecurity, it is hard to keep track of all the latest developments as well as research and analyze categories and subcategories within cybersecurity, which is where the IT Harvest cybersecurity platform comes in. Want to know which subcategories in cloud security are growing the fastest? You'll get it in a few clicks. Want to know and track everything about your main competitors and keep up with their hiring and news? Simple search to be done. Want to know the top 20 fastest growing companies based out of Israel? Easy, just a couple of clicks to get that. IT Harvest is the first and only research platform dedicated to cybersecurity. And it's run by Richard Steenen, who has done it all in cybersecurity. From the VP of research at Gartner, a CMO at a cybersecurity vendor, a lecturer on cybersecurity, advisor to startups, advisory board member at startups, and a main board member as well. The whole lot. Find out more by going to salesbluebird.com slash research. That's salesbluebird.com slash research. Now back to the episode. Well, how did you first make money as a kid? God, I did everything. A couple of the more interesting jobs. I started my own business before I could even have a working permit mowing lawns. So just went around the neighborhood and 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 signed up lots of people to kind of mow, mow the, the lawns and, and take care of the... Uh, property, do landscaping and things like that, and made uh, money that way. And then worked all through high school. One of the more interesting jobs was I, I worked as, a, as a, a line boy at an airport, which is the person who refuels the planes. It was like private, private airport, um, small planes, Cessnas, Pipers, and things like that. And uh, I took every cent that I made and reinvested it in flight lessons. So my, my brothers and I all were uh, pilots when we were in high school. And did a lot of stupid things like landing in cornfields. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know what, what my parents were thinking, letting, letting 17 and 18 year old kids fly airplanes. But we did. And it was it was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm still here because <laughs> there were some things we did in those airplanes that probably shouldn't have been done you know, in terms of pushing yeah, the limits I, of the airframes. And I'm pretty certain my 16 or 17 year old self should not have been close to an airplane in terms of flying it. Uh, given some yeah, decisions I made yeah. in my life, yeah, no, we 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 did it all as that and motorcycles as well. You know, just just racing motorcycles, dirt bikes, and airplanes, anything with a motor, we were interested in pushing to the limits. And what was your first real job? Um, let's see, first real job, I started working in. I, I went to again, kind of tying in the Scottish heritage. Went to Carnegie Mellon University. You know, founded by Andrew Carnegie. Wanted to get as far away from Pittsburgh in the cold weather, so I moved out to San Diego um, at a school and worked for a defense contractor called Remick, uh, designing electronics to go into aircraft and things like that for electronic warfare. So that was really my first uh, 
first real job out of college was um, electrical engineering and in the defense, Milero defense electronics uh, industry, designing RF and microwave circuitry. And then fast forward through your career, you, you founded a company called AWR, which was then acquired and then reacquired and ended up being part of Cadence. You were EVP and founder there. That was for about 17 years. And then for almost nine years, you were the co-founder and CEO at Silent, a cybersecurity company in the general area, it looks like a software piracy and IP theft. And then at the end of last year, 2022, you moved over to Approve to be the, the CEO. Uh, tell me about uh, the background of Approve and where that company and technology came from. Yeah, so uh, Approve is um, l- legally the company name is Critical Blue uh, Limited, but it's it's marketed under the product name Approve, which is really a reinvention of the company. So the company's got a long history uh, and a, a great deal of expertise in security. Um, one of the major uh, areas of development was the, the company worked very closely with Intel on mobile processor security. Um, they also worked with uh, Talus and, and some other uh, defense contractors and developed a lot of expertise in compiler technology and in mobile security. Now, the challenge came into play when Intel uh, abruptly got out of the mobile processor market and really ceded that market to uh, ARM. Um, through the company for quite a loop, and uh, the company needed to reinvent itself. Now, they had a very strong technology team, and they had very uh, good backing from uh, investors who were really committed to the company for the long haul and really believed in the technologists. So they looked at uh, mobile security, and they looked at all of the expertise that they had developed, and they came up with Approve, which is an end-to-end mobile security solution that, you know, really in the right place at the right time today because it protects everything from the integrity of the mobile device to the mobile application through the um, APIs that connect to the cloud. Uh, so it's it's really from the device to the cloud, Approve is a um, unique, highly sophisticated, secure solution for making sure that your data stays your own so that it's... Um, it's targeted for fintech applications, healthcare applications, anything where you have very valuable personal information or, or financial transactions, and you need to make sure that the, that the data is, is secure from the mobile device to the cloud and back again. And um, it, I say it's unique because a, a lot of people approach this market from either we're going to harden the application and we're just going to focus on sort of fortressing the mobile app and do things like code obfuscation and basically try to build a wall around the app. And then we have a lot of companies that are focused on the cloud who are trying to secure uh, data in the cloud and use AI and, and, and machine learning to uh, identify data breaches. But if you read the news, there's a lot of data breaches going on and, and the word uh, API gets bounced around a lot of times. So Approve is a technology that really prevents, I mean, one of the things that it prevents is the man-in-the-middle attack. The man-in-the-middle attack is becoming more and more pervasive. So it's essentially when somebody gets in between the device and the cloud, and they look at the communication going back and forth between these two things, um, and they can uh, undermine even, you know, everybody talks about two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. Well, how do you get around those things? Man-in-the-middle attack. 
you know, and, and this is one of the things that just does not happen if the app is using the approved technology. It's, it's not possible because the, the approved technology prevents those kind of attacks. So whenever I think about mobile security, there's lots of players in that space from the carriers, the handset companies, you know, companies buying for their people, consumer play as well. Who, who is the buyer of Approve? Yeah, good question. So the uh, the buyer of a technology like Approve is the company that is going to be developing the mobile application. Now, the good news is there's about 5 million mobile apps out there, you know, three and a half million on Android and 1.6 million or so on, on uh, iOS. Anybody who's developing a mobile app, whether you're in the gaming market or you're an automobile company, like you know, one of the one of our clients is is BMW. So if you want to get into your vehicle and you want to use your cell phone to unlock the vehicle, you want to make sure that the cell phone application is secure. You, you want to make sure that, that some hacker can't go up there and basically steal an API key and then open up a vehicle and drive it off the lot and things like that. So those are the kind of transactions you want to secure financial transactions, whether it's cryptocurrency or conventional bank, you know, when you communicate with your bank and you're sending money, you want to make sure that that kind of transaction is is secure. And, and these are the kind of clients that, that we're, we're looking for is if you're trying, if, if you're doing something with the phone that is valuable um, and you're looking for a premium security, security product or a premium security solution, that's where we fit in. Even things like gaming and retail um, are areas that we have clients that, that are successful. So one of the, one of the more corner cases is uh, some of the gaming companies are dealing with a lot of uh, cheaters, you know, people who, who manipulate the application, give themselves superpowers so they can beat up on all of their friends in the game. Those kind of cheats are, are, are things that we can prevent because what we do is we make sure that the mobile application is the same application that was downloaded from the website. So it hasn't been modded, it hasn't been tampered with, it hasn't been manipulated to give somebody an unfair advantage, whether it's in a game or whether it's to try to steal your personal data or to hack a financial transaction and send a lot of Bitcoin somewhere else. You know, so those are, all of these kind of applications are, are things that we can secure. I can imagine in the gaming use case you just talked about, the real driver is, protecting the brand of the game, protecting the integrity of the game, things like that. In the fintech space, is it more compliance that's driving it or is it just good security and that's what they want to deliver for their, their, their company? With the fintech world, it's also brand protection because if, if, you're, if you're running a, a service similar to a PayPal or a Venmo and your transactions aren't secure, you're not going to be in business very long. You, know, you have to make sure that your, your client's you know, um, transactions are protected and are not easily hacked. So, yeah, so we work with a number of uh, leading fintech companies and we really have saved their their brand because we were able to, one of the success stories we have on our websites is, is a, a company called Kapara. They're, they're like uh, one of the big fintechs in, in um, Turkey. And they were constantly being, being attacked with, with hacking frameworks and and um, various technologies that are used to try to steal API keys to create fraudulent transactions. And um, they were able to install our SDK in their application and, and, and really bring those things down. Uh, they, st- they still get hit with them, but they don't get through. So we send them a report every month showing how many, how many good transactions went through and how many attacks were prevented 
you know, with our application. So we have this real time, you know, you get, you see what you're paying for with, with approve, you get a report every month that says, you know, we stopped X number of, um, these, this type of hacking framework and, and, and Y number of, of this hacking framework and this many tampered apps and this many unauthorized applications. So you get a, you, you really get feedback as to how successful this product is in stopping the bad guys. You joined Approved just in the last few months. Um, obviously, it was uh, um, founded quite a few years ago. As you come into the company, what's the big transformation or the big goal that you're shooting towards that's going to really allow you to make an impact for the company? Yeah, I think the big thing is really get, getting the message out. Um, you know, so the the company has you know it, it's had some success certainly, but one of the things that I noticed right away when I looked at the geographic spread of the customer base, they were disproportionately successful in Europe um, with a heavy concentration in Germany. And one thing I know from selling technology into the German market is they are very uh, technically uh, diligent in, in looking at solutions, um, more so than, than American companies or other, other markets where we tend to look for who's the biggest you know, and, and, and the old slogan about no one ever got fired for buying IBM or whatever is it's, it's very true in the U S market. People look, look at, you know, marketing goes a long way in, in the U S but in Germany, it's very technically rigorous and they don't care how big you are. They want to decide what's the best technology for them. So a lot of the European, you know, companies are, are like that. They do vigorous benchmarks. And when they do that, we win. If you're looking for the largest cybersecurity companies, you know, that's unfortunately, you know, the, the size matters in, in, in the U.S., but I felt like the company was was underperforming in, in certain markets. And I think that that was a reflection of having a, a very deep engineering culture and of not being very aggressive or not being um, very uh, geared towards the sales and marketing. You know, so, for example, I, I, I remember my, my first instinct when I looked at the, the website for, for Approve was I felt like I was looking at a website from 1995. I mean, right down to the colors. It was it was like Windows ninety five, red, green, blue, very very basic, you know, kind of website. And and the first thing I said was, I I would never buy from this company. It's like I don't care how good their technology is. They they they're they're missing the mark on in terms of branding and imaging and edginess. And and so we 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 you know first thing we wanted to do is really kind of redesign the the website and make the messaging clear because it was also very muddled. It wasn't. It didn't clearly state what we do. And, and if you look at our, our website now, it says, you know, we stop mobile attacks dead in their tracks because that is what the customers tell me when I talk to the customers. Not, it's not about protection. It's not about an, an, an insurance policy that, that somehow approve is going to someday, if you're attacked, you might uh, benefit from this technology. It's like, no, our clients are attacked every single day. And we have a real-time interface that they log into where they can see where the attacks are coming from, and it's constant, and we're constantly protecting them. So it is a dangerous environment out there, and the uh, the impact of our technology is immediate, and it's it's comprehensive, and it's also updatable. You know, so that new threats. It's not a static. You know, it's not a static universe when it comes to cyber threats. There's new threats that come along every single day. There are new vectors of attack, and our solution allows you to update. You know, not only update your certificates and, and your keys, you can move the keys to the cloud and you can change them and you can update them dynamically 
without having to re-release the app through the App Store, which can take months. So it's a really compelling solution. And that's why that's why I joined the company. It was I just felt like this was one of the best kept secrets in, in mobile app security. And it's important that we get the message out and engage with, with clients on a global basis, not just in Europe, but really outside. Yeah, being the best kept secret in a market is not not great for, for growth, right? <laughs> No, and, and and yeah, and and I talked to the I I talked to some people about that. You know, it's it is uh, you know unfortunately the best technology doesn't always win. You know, you but but it should, and that's where I felt like Approve needs to have a fighting chance, and we need to kind of get the message out about how good this technology is, and and how how successful it can be in stopping the kind of attacks that are happening that are headline news every day. Yeah, I mean, I think in any situation, you'd rather be at a company that has a really strong product. And you need to add the sales and marketing, which it sounds like what you have, rather than the alternative, which is awesome at distribution, but uh, crappy at developing stuff. Yeah. And, and that's what I told the team in, in Edinburgh when I was there. I was just like, you know, there, there are much bigger problems than, than a, a, a dated website. You know, dated websites, easy to fix. If you have a product that doesn't work, that's a problem. Or if you have a product that works, but doesn't scale, that's a problem. Or if you have a product that works and scales, but doesn't provide an adequate ROI or you have a high churn, and we don't have any of those problems. We have like zero churn. We have no scalability issues. You know, So one of the things that, um, one of the changes that we did is we've uh, changed our pricing structure because we had a pricing structure where the cost of the solution really scaled linearly with the number of users, number of active users. And it didn't make any sense because what you're doing is you're, you're attracting, you know, students and small and medium sized businesses that where the solution might be very cost effective. But if you're dealing with a, a very a popular application that has tens of millions or hundreds of millions of users per month, it, it can get quite expensive. Um, and we don't have a scaling problem. You know, so our, our solution scales beautifully, you know, right up to, you know, 50 million, 100 million active users a month. So why do we have a, a linear price list and, and not tiered pricing for larger applications? Ted, let's learn a little bit about yourself. I've got uh, 35 questions here. Why don't you give me three numbers between one and 35? Uh, 24. Cats or dogs? Cats or dogs. Oh, that's a, it is a tough one. I grew up with German Shepherds and uh, Siamese cats, um, very different animals. Um, I would say, given my entrepreneurial slant, I have to go with the cats because they're less needy and, and there's a lot to do during the day. And, and dogs can really, I mean, I love dogs, but they, they can uh, d- demand a lot of, lot of attention. And uh, cats are a little bit more self-sufficient. They have some interesting quirks and personalities, but uh, yeah, we'll go with the cats for today. All right. What's your second number? Uh, 31. 31. Dive bar or cocktail bar? Dive bar. What's your favorite bar in Edinburgh you've been to so far? Oh, God, I can't remember the name of the place. Um, I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't remember it, but it was uh, we took the whole team out one, one night, and they had a musician, as, as all of these places do, uh, playing the guitar and... Uh, we, we, we hung out there for, you know, for, for a while and it was, it was really nice, really uh, nice culture there. So yeah, where are your offices there? There's, you got a very healthy selection of good places to have a drink or three um, after work around there. It's a good part of the, the city right there. Yes. Yeah. We're on the South side. Uh, so we're, we're over there just uh, between the, there's a couple of nice parks and the castle. 
and it's just a great, great area to just kind of get lost in. So, uh, last number between one and 35? Uh, 12. 12. Early bird or night owl? Early bird these days. Yes. I, I'm very much an early bird up, up at 5.30 every morning and uh, at work by 6. So, uh, you know, with, with the, you know, time zones and, and working with Scotland, it's, it's just kind of critical to be up first thing in the morning and to have that overlap, you know, period of time with the company. And I, I just naturally, you know, at, at this stage, stage in, in life, I'm just much more tuned into to the morning and, and do my best work in the morning and, and really just very clear, focused and um, high energy uh, first thing morning. So yeah, that's, that's an easy one. Yeah. You think about hiring a sales team for your go-to-market or how are you going to reach your, your buyers? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, um, we need to invest in that side of the house. So the, the company has been very focused on R&D, um, very focused on customer success and, and adoption, but not on uh, new business, new logos. And that's why I say it is one of the best kept secrets. So, so yeah, I'm actively looking for, for a CRO. We, we need uh, an, an army of application engineers who are very technically knowledgeable about iOS and Android. You know, people can, you know, it's a, any cybersecurity sale is going to be fairly technical, um, but we're looking for people who really have a deep knowledge of mobile applications and can articulately communicate that the, uh, the value uh, to clients. So we're looking for people who've really built mobile applications, who understand um, APIs and the security aspects of it. And um, we, we will need, you know, an account team, a global kind of account team. So these are, these are things that are in the works and in the planning stages right now, but we'll be posting, you know, jobs and, and staffing appropriately o- over the uh, next six to 12 months. As you were looking at the investment plan and, and burn, um, how do you decide what number to hire of each of those different categories of roles? Well, yeah, you, you have to look at the business model, you know, and you have to look at the, the thing that's that's very different about this market and very exciting versus uh, Silent, which was also a cybersecurity company. Um, but Silent was focused on on-premise software and on-premise software is not a growing market and and the number of, of vendors particularly in the CAD cam space is, is very finite um, with this with mobile security you know as I said you know you got millions of, of apps and new ones coming out all the time and and we've just done a, a lot of research on the security of those apps and the results are scary because they're not very secure so we're looking at certainly thousands if not you know millions of opportunities out there so we we do have to uh, come up with a proper business model and, and a way to kind of scale the business. But initially, you, you really look at the world from three perspectives. You know, you look at it from a European perspective or an EMEA perspective, Middle East and Africa, and then a North and South America and the Asia Pacific region. And, and we need to build a competence in those three regions initially, and then grow from there. We're also looking at channel strategies. So we have um, we've signed up a couple really uh, good channel partners uh, that we're working with. And we're looking for more channel partners because there's uh, a lot of leverage that can come with with people who are, are local um, in a particular region, whether it's, you know, Brazil or Germany or, or Japan. You know, these these are places where there's a big cultural divide and having local represents representatives who are familiar with the clients there can be a, a real force multiplier for us. So um, these are things that are in development and 
very far along in terms of recru- recruiting a CRO, um, and we share a m- mindset about how to build the channel with the direct and indirect resources. That's great. Last question for me is, you know, security is a really tough market to get attention because there's so many players in there. How are you thinking about trying to get your more than your fair share of attention from potential buyers? Well, I, I think that um, the rubber meets the road if you can get people to a trial and we, we make it easy. So we have we have a free trial um, on our website. Um, it's it's uh, approve.io, A-P-P-R-O-O-V, no E on the end, uh, .io. And we offer a free trial. So what we have good inbound leads and we have a number of, of people who are discovering us because they're all ser- searching for solutions to things like man-in-the-middle attacks, uh, mobile app security, and things like that. So we pop up, and people come and, and, and knock on our door. So I think it's really supporting those trials well. And um, we have a, a series of quick start guides, and, and customers can implement this technology in, in a week or two and see immediate results. So uh, we kind of let the product speak for itself, but um, we, we do need people to kind of kick the tires and see what it does. Um, they can also look at our reference accounts and they can talk to our reference accounts and find people who are facing similar challenges where we you know, kind of stamp the problem out uh, permanently and effectively. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. It is the noise floor in this market is extremely high and uh, it is hard to kind of get through uh, the noise floor, especially when you have you know, so many companies that are so well-funded and um, so trying to grow so aggressively in this space with loud claims and claim they solve everything. But uh, the reality is if they solved everything, we wouldn't be seeing the, the relentless number of attacks and the, you know, the, the consistent stream of data breaches. It is funny how the, the, uh, all that funding money seems to result in increased levels of noise where everyone's just shouting as loud as he possibly can to try and get attention. I wonder sometimes if, if different is better than better yeah. when it comes to you know, right to market and talking to people and trying to engage with them. But let me flip this script a little bit, uh, Ted. Uh, do you have a question for me you want to bring up about uh, where you're at in your, your journey and see if I've got any perspective on, on what you're doing? Yeah, I have a long list of them. But the first thing I wanted to start with is is the, you know, kind of flipping the, flipping the script is that we need to find quality uh, application engineers, you know, mobile developers who are really knowledgeable about how to build secure products, but also want to engage with customers and talk to them. We need sales salespeople who can bring clients in and, and reach out. We've all done the recruiting with you know things like Indeed and LinkedIn, and, and they're they're very very good sources. But sometimes you get overwhelmed with quantity, not quality. So, given your experience, how do you how do you find you know what's what's your secret sauce in terms of finding the best candidates for these um, cybersecurity jobs and recruiting practice? Yeah, I I think that um, when you when you're earlier stage, let's say, right? I think it's important to think about not just the usual things to attract people in terms of comp and position, things like that, but really dial in on the emotional side of why people join startups, right? It's going to be a hard gig to do, but you want to attract the people that want to be there to make a difference. And I think sometimes when when you look at the, the postings, you look at how companies talk about attracting people, they don't really kind of get into that, right? I know when I've joined companies early stage before, thinking about, you know, how are they trying to change the world and making sure that you attract people that want to go on this journey with you? I mean, one of the dangers is that they like the idea, they show up, and then obviously six months or a year later, oh, this is hard work. 
<laughs> it's not quite what I thought. And you kind of need that, you know, real drive to say, no, I'm this old Steve, uh, Steve Jobs thing, right? Do you want to sell sugared water or do you want to join Apple to change the world? At least the John Scully back in the day. So I think first thing is really getting dialed into that to say, if I'm, you know, the type of people I want to hire, will they be attracted by that kind of emotional message about joining and making a difference? So I think that's one thing. And you're right. There's a ton of uh, boards out there. I, I actually just recently launched the cybersalesjob.com job board. So we're focusing much more on cybersecurity sellers um, and helping all those that have been laid off recently to, to be connected to earlier stage companies. I think the one thing, though, that people don't do, they talk a lot about doing this, but they don't do a good job because it is a little bit of work, is the idea of targeting certain people at certain companies. And I've seen people do this really, really well. Where they'll, they'll say, you know, maybe slightly bigger companies, they'll say, okay, we're getting screwed in the whatever, you know, the Florida market, the, uh, the DAC market in, in Europe. Who are we competing against and who are the key players at these companies that will be better off in our with a badge from our company rather than a badge from their company. And uh, I always think about um, two things. There's a, there's a guy actually in your neck of the woods from Upfront Ventures called Mark's sister. And he talks about his investment philosophy around lines, not dots. So he wants to meet with companies and founders over a period of time and see the, the see the lines, see the, see the, the trajectory of the company, see what they're working on, see how they deliver it to know that they're on the right track. And I kind of think about that if, if you know, you're truly trying to attract the right talent, go find out who they are, engage with them, and engage them over time because they won't be ready to leave right there and then if they're, if they're true top talent. But keep engaging with them so you can track their progress and they can track yours, right? So that's, there's the common um, excitement, let's say, that over time we seem to be on the same page about you know, being in this sort of environment. And you track a person on lines, not dots, obviously not, a, not rather than the company. And uh, the second thing is I would zero in on when you're working with, you know, targeting those people like that is what are the reasons they truly leave their current gig, right? It's really because they're happy and they just see this, this great thing um, over here. You need to kind of zero in on well, what's going to make them unhappy enough that they would consider leaving. And uh, there's eight reasons. I actually did a, a podcast episode quite a while back about this. And the eight reasons are usual things, you know, comp plan changed, leadership changed, territory changed, things like that. There's things going on at the company, which means two months ago, I was pretty happy. Now I'm at least open to talking to that guy a bit more who I talked to for you know, the last year or so. And that might be a natural place to go to. So, you know, if, if anyone wants to kind of dig into that, podcast number 71 talks about using lines, not dots in terms of hiring. And podcast 72 talks about the eight reasons why people actually leave, you know, high performers leave companies um, and what, what happens that you can zero in on and try and, you know, you know, pick away a little bit at the scab if they're going through that sort of problem. So I don't, I don't know if that helps, but, you know, certainly think about it. That, that's very good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be talking to a candidate later today and I, 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 will, uh, I, I will use some of that information. So. Yeah, well, it's it's so important. I mean, I I think that one one of the mistakes that people make is they try and skimp a little bit, right? You know, what's the minimum we could pay people? What's the minimum we could offer people? When really, if you want to make a big difference, you need high caliber people and say, you know, let's pro- let's do this properly, right? I'd rather have one or two high caliber folks than five or ten, you know, you know, medium caliber folks, because um, the one or two is going to make the difference for you. Very very good advice. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Well, Ted, I've really enjoyed the, the conversation today. If someone wants to get in touch with you about your, your hiring or, or continue the conversation, what's the best way to do that? 
Uh, visit our website. As I said, it's a, a, approve.io. That's A-P-P-R-O-O-V dot I-O. And there's a contact us uh, form on the website. Um, if you're in the cybersecurity space and you want a free trial, there's also a free trial space as well. But I would love to hear from people. You can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Ted Morocco at LinkedIn, and you can reach out to me uh, that way as well. Uh, so very, very interested in, in in hearing from people. And I really appreciate the uh, time today, Andrew. It's been uh, been fun talking to you. Yeah, likewise. And we'll put those two links in the in the show notes. So someone can go straight to that page on your website and also to your LinkedIn profile. Ted, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for joining us. I wish you all the best for 2023. Excellent. Thank you, Andrew. Well, that was a fun episode for me to do. Um, it's not often that I get to talk with someone from a company uh, based at my my hometown of Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, Ted is actually based in Southern California, but the rest of the team is based over at Edinburgh. So it's always nice to connect there for me. Um, three takeaways I had. Uh, one is what Ted was talking about with the state of the product that they have at Approve. It's been developed over a few years. And they got to the point where it's high quality product. He was saying, you know, uh, trying to fix product problems or scaling problems and things like that is much, much more difficult than trying to fix a sales and marketing challenge. And I think I agree with them. You know, if, if I was to be in any shoes, I'd rather be one where we're trying to scale sales and marketing and get that going as opposed to scaling that and having to deal with product issues, quality issues, things like that. Second thing is, um, it sounds like Ted is hiring a CRO right now to build and drive sales. Now, it's not that common to have the first hire in the sales team be the CRO. Uh, and he used the term CRO, not just you know sales leader or anything like that. So that might be someone who's quite senior, and that's not all that common. Unfortunately, we both had hard stops coming up at the end of the, end of the interview, so I didn't really get a chance to dig into more about how he came to that conclusion and how that was the right move and how he's thinking about it. I wish I had, but it was kind of telling that he's going for experience and seniority to build out a team right now, as opposed to someone more junior. And then the final thing I took away was, you know, it seems like maybe in the mobile market, especially in some other markets within cyber, uh, getting downloads or people to try what you have can lead to uh, success. Um, and in this case, you know, when you get developers who are the audience, getting them to download the tool and just get their hands in it and start using it is where he sees getting a lot of traction. This whole kind of freemium model or product-led growth, different uh, phrases with the same type of thing, um, sounds like it's important to approve as well. So those are my three takeaways. You probably have the similar or different ones. Uh, either way, I wish Ted and the team a lot of success for 2023 and into 2024. It would mean a lot to me and to the continued growth of the show if you could help get the word out. So how do you do that easily? There are two ways. Firstly, just simply send a link to a friend. Send a link to the show, to this episode. Um, you can email it, text it, Slack it, whatever works for you and is easy for you. The second way is to leave a super quick rating. And sometimes that can seem complicated, so I've made it as easy for you as I can. You simply have to go to ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. That's ratethispodcast.com slash cyber. And it explains exactly how to do it. 
Either of these ways will take you less than 30 seconds to do, and it will mean the world to me. So thank you.